And we're back with Bible Babble. Hi, John. Hey, Garrett. What, what do we do here at Bible Babble? Well, we, I mean, it's in the name. We babble, babble about the Bible. About the Bible. Very nice. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, starting off today, it feels like when you go to Bible study um, and you're actually supposed to leave Bible study, uh, and you have the Bible, but you don't have any notes. That's how I feel today. Yeah, we've um, all been there before. Yeah, we've all been there. Happens to the best of us. Um, you know, you just you just have schoolwork, you have work work, and you just don't have time yeah. to write any notes about what you're going to talk about in Bible study. Um, so please forgive me today <laughs> as we uh, have a conversation about the Transfiguration conversation about the transfiguration, transfiguration station yeah. <laughs> yeah let's go okay so i'm i'm reading out of uh luke 9 um it's really really cool chapter here um beginning in verse 28 now about eight days after these sayings he took with him peter and john and james and went up on the mountain to pray and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. <clears throat> and as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory, right? Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the past, uh, nearly, it's been nearly a year and a half. Um, I've been diving into the Gospel of Luke. Um, trying, yeah, just Not diving just right in. Not just sticking your toes in the waters. I mean, you've, yeah. you've more than More than a dabble and a babble. But, uh, yeah. Dive. Yeah, bro. Um, and I've been, I've been stuck, not stuck. I mean, stuck in the best way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in this passage for a long time, because it's like every single verse has weighty meaning, um, that, that has roots in the old Testament. Mm. Um, it's really, really cool. Uh, what Luke is, is communicating here. Um, mm. and, and I've been talking to John about it, and I'm like, man, I want to have a Transfiguration Day. Please can I have a Transfiguration Day. So episode three, here we go. Today is the day. Yeah. All right, verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. It's it's interesting. And I think in the other Gospels, I think it might even say seven days, but in Luke, I think it says eight. I mean, it clearly says eight days. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I don't want to get too much into numerology, 
Um, I don't even know how much weight serious numerology has. Um, but it's, I think it is significant that, that we have the number eight here. Um, because I think it's already anticipating, uh, for, foreshadowing the resurrection, um, which happened on the eighth day. Mm. Um, we're, we're kind of, oh, we're kind of looking ahead or maybe when we reach the resurrection, we're like, oh, wait, I remember this. Eight days. Yeah. Um, because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week or the eighth day, kind of uh, symbolizing the, the newness of the covenant uh, that Jesus is establishing mm. um, in his death and resurrection. That's pretty cool. Um, and then it says that, that he took with him, you know, Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Um, uh, as we as we observe the transfiguration, the fact that that they're on a mountain is is really important. Um, we think back to the Garden of Eden, which was actually on a mountain. Um, it says says that uh, you know there were four rivers that flowed out of Eden. As in, like, the, the, the Garden of Eden was a source of life. Mm. Uh, not only was it a place of life, but it gave life to the rest of the world um, because it, it watered the rest of the world uh, as this big, holy mountain. Um, and this is a huge motif throughout the Hebrew Bible that I'm not qualified to get into, Um but we, but we should know that mountains are super important and are loaded with uh, biblical concepts, um, particularly with, with the garden and God's dwelling. Um, the, the temple and the tabernacle are supposed to be these, these little Edenic spaces where God dwells, just like God dwelled in Eden um, at the beginning. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we get into the temple, we get into the tabernacle, and there's all this... Just kind of gardeny imagery. Hmm. Um, there's just just life everywhere, and then we have we have like the two seraphim guarding the uh, the holy of holies. Like, yeah. oh wait, that's oh, like the garden, right? Okay. Fiery angels with swords. Interesting. Oh, you know, it's it's really cool. I think it was the um, same people. They're like, oh, we have we did it in the garden. Now we're gonna do it again. I mean, yeah. Well, well, when <laughs> when Moses sees the pattern on Sinai, uh, he's he's seeing the heavenly, um, the heavenly temple, and and the blueprints basically are are fashioned after the heavenly temple. Mm. Um, it's pretty cool, and wow. so and so we have kind of this mountain imagery. And I think that that should be in the back of our minds. And not only that, but we also have Moses and Elijah, um, who both have these wild experiences on mountains. Um, Wait. Both of them have wild experiences on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Wait, I have a question. It's pretty significant. So yeah. you're saying the significance of the transfiguration taking place on a mountain was that it is like a reflection of Eden? Yeah, or, okay, sort of. Uh... So mountains as a as a type, um, yeah. What's be, finding its finding its origin in Eden, okay. Um, but also finding its completion, its its antitype uh, in Zion, 
mm. uh, God's holy hill, um, on which God's Davidic descendant um, and king would would rule eternally. Yeah. Um, it's, Sinai is also looking forward to this, I would think. Mm. Um, and this this new Zion, this heavenly Zion, uh, the new Jerusalem. Mm. Very, very cool. Um, I think it's looking back to Sinai, but also looking forward to Zion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we have these, these two men, Moses and Elijah. Uh, it was on Sinai that Moses received the law and instruction um, to build the tabernacle. Um, it was on a mountain that Elijah has this crazy experience with God um, where he hears his voice in, in the stillness. Mm. Um, and and it's interesting because they, they both show up here and both of them are these figures who, who represent so much about the Hebrew Bible. So I'm going to go back to kind of like the, the very last bit of the Old Testament, um, the very last paragraph, actually, of the Old Testament in Malachi uh, 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of Yahweh comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Oh, I forgot verse 4. Verse 4 is really important, too. This is verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Now, I don't think Luke is necessarily referencing uh, this Malachi 4 passage, mm -hmm. but I think the figures of Moses and Elijah uh, function in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, Elijah is, he is the embodiment of the prophets. Yeah. Right. Um, and Moses is the embodiment of what the law yeah um and so it's they're they they're kind of wrapped up into these two like in, like in figures like just how adam is in an embodiment of humanity all of humanity. yeah yeah okay so kind of like uh is it called an archetype mm. yeah it can be okay yeah um but right we we see in the new testament when when they're referring to the bible they say uh that all of the law and the prophets, while well, Moses is the law and yeah. Elijah is the prophets. Yeah. Um, that's and, how I think of it. And why, Why? I mean, there were all these people in the New Testament that were like thinking Jesus was Elijah or someone. Is that, do you think yeah. that's because uh -huh. of this prophecy? Uh -huh. They're like thinking that Elijah was actually going to come back. Yeah. Like yeah. Elijah himself. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up, too, because that's that's actually a question that's being discussed in chapter 9. Hmm. Um, twice that question is brought up. Uh, once by Herod, and then um, once by Jesus, actually. Huh. Um, Herod is confused. He, he says, uh, so he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Um, and it's thought by some scholars that um, the the last one, uh, one of the prophets of old has risen, is a reference to Moses, mm. um, particularly the, the the second Moses that um, Moses himself foretold in Deuteronomy. Um, pretty interesting. Oh, 
which of course he was. Jesus is. Yeah, they're not. They're not completely wrong. The crowds. Yeah. It's. It's. They're just a little misguided, and they only yeah. have part of the picture. Right. Um. Right. And so when Peter says correctly, the Christ of God, um, it's, it's kind of summarizing almost. Um, what the crowds are saying. Yeah, and and in a way. Yeah, I just I find it interesting. I can't remember what passage it was, but they were like talking about Elijah coming, speaking to Jesus, or like asking him about Elijah coming. And they were like, "Wait a second. Jesus was like, "Elijah's already come." Yeah. And they're like, "What?" Yeah. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, it's John the Baptist." Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Which is it, it's interesting that Elijah shows up in John the Baptist and in Jesus. Yeah. That's I've never understood that really. Yeah. Um, interesting. Verse 29, and as, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Um, very, very Old Testament-y it feels, just this this glorification of Jesus. And apparently Moses and Elijah looked similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that they appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Why Moses... And Elijah, why are they the ones appearing? I mean, if you talk about them being the, the embodiment of these mm-hmm. the prophets and the mm-hmm. laws, that mainly why? I, That's what I would think. That is what I think. Yeah. Um, and, and, most, and But also because of, of this, that speaking of his departure, um, Luke is the only one who, who makes this reference of actually what they're talking about. Um, and this, this word departure is the Greek word exodus Mm, or exodus. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That, that, that he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, this exodus. Um, well, we're like, well, wait, the exodus has already happened, right? It's, it's the liberation of God's people from slavery. Yeah. Um, as recounted in, in the book by the same title, exodus. Um, but, but very much like like in the number eight, we, we get this feeling of newness. Um, of there's there's something there's a new act at work here. Um, same with the mountain, like, oh man, we've we've seen this before. This is this is something new and different. Um, and and it's I think the same thing applies here when we're looking at this Exodus that he's about mm. to accomplish at Jerusalem. Um, it's it's world changing. It's it's new and wild. And why is it taking place at Jerusalem? Mm. This Exodus. Um, so yeah. what is the Exodus? Yeah, what is the Exodus? Um, is it departure this, as in him leaving to be glorified? I to be personally, I think it's it's speaking ascend. of this new liberation of God's people from sin. From sin, yeah, mm. from sin. Okay. Um, this is, let's see, in this same chapter, um, the way the way Luke is structured is, uh, the first, uh, the first three or so chapters I think, uh, focus on, um, well, there's the infancy narrative, uh, where Jesus, you know, he grows, uh, he's born, he grows, um, and then let's see, Jesus starts his ministry in chapter four. Um, in Galilee, and chapters four through nine fifty, 
Oh, that was an Amber Alert. Oh, shoot. I've been getting quite a bit of percentage. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. Uh, please silence your phones, listeners. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty distracting. Please honestly. respect the rest yeah. of the listeners, please. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Uh, the Exodus. Uh, shoot. Like. Oh, structure of Luke. Yeah, 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 yeah. So four through nine fifty um, is Jesus' Galilean ministry, and then from nine fifty one um, on is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and so this all the way to twenty. Um, let me see when he gets to Jerusalem. Well, obviously there's stuff that takes place. Yeah. In Jerusalem. Um, Yeah, he, I think it's in, yeah, 1941. They, they see it, and Jesus pronounces woes against it, weeping. Uh, okay. Um, he sees it from afar. Mm. So, so like, a sizable chunk of the book is this journey to Jerusalem, kind of working up towards this climax of, of this exodus that's about to take place at Jerusalem. From and Galilee? I think this trans- the transfiguration here, um, particularly when it says... They were speaking of his exodus, that he was about to go to Jerusalem. It's anticipating what's going to happen there. Mm. And what happens there is Jesus is crucified mm. um, and, is, and is raised again. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, when you naturally read this, the, the departure that he's about to accomplish at Jerusalem. The exit. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's speaking of his ascension. Mm. Like, we mm. just think yeah. of this naturally. Like, what else would that mean? But I guess if you, if you see the Greek word and its, its origin, then you can come up yeah. with a better understanding of, of that. And I would think as, as, a, as a Jewish listener, as a Jewish reader, you would hear that word and, and immediately think back to your heritage. Because yeah. in, the, in the same way that we think about our salvation in Jesus Christ, they thought about their salvation out of slavery in Egypt. Mm. It was like the past event of yeah, something huge that God did, monumental. Yeah, it, it's God history. birthing them as a nation, mm. like taking them out of out of slavery, something that they could not have done on their own. Mm. Um, he provided salvation. Awesome. Super cool, um, and and I, and I think we're supposed to look back on that. Um, and then we can talk about this maybe another time more in depth. Um, but it's also, I think, anticipating the Passover meal mm. um, on the night of his betrayal, where he where he takes this ancient ancient tradition, ancient tradition of um, celebrating their deliverance from Egypt in Passover. Jesus redefines it. Mm. Um, saying this, this bread, this unleavened bread, is actually my body. Mm. This wine is actually my blood. Um, so in the blood of the new covenant. The word, what is it, exodo or something? Yeah, exodos. Exodos. Yeah. Like you think that's foreshadowing two different things, both his death and the Lord's supper. Well, I think, I think the the Lord's supper is kind of defining it more for us helping us understand it better understand what better um 
the, this new exodus okay that he's doing and he's accomplishing um now it's it's interesting the way it's it's written is it's like kind of dreamlike. It says, Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Like I in my mind it's just kind of like this hazy, weird experience that they're having. Um they're but that was when they were sleep. fully awake. Yeah, yeah. They recognized all of them. Um in other gospels it it talks about this being a vision. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, but not on Luke. Not on Luke. It seems like like a very real event that actually happened to these to these three people. Interesting. Uh, I mean, they were certainly physically there with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as the men, that is Elijah and Moses, were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Oh wait, we've seen this before. Like we we we've we've seen this cloud before in the Bible, right? Uh, this okay. is this is the divine presence of Yahweh. Cloud by day. Yeah, yeah, and, and then the cloud that that enters and, and dwells within the tabernacle. Yeah. Like this yeah. this is the divine presence of Yahweh. Mm. Um, and and two, there's there's very much exodusy language here as they as they see the cloud they they get terrified just like yeah Israel yeah. at the foot of the mountain. Yeah. One um, second, yeah. Hmm. Wait. So. Wait a second. So like, Moses and Elijah just had a conversation with Jesus about this new exodus. About this yeah. exodus. Interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, that's so weird to think about. Like, what yeah. were the specific <laughs> yeah. words of this conversation? Like, what did they say? Yeah, I know. Was it like, <laughs> I don't even know what to what to think about it. Yeah. It just doesn't leave us with much. It's like, and that's intentional. I don't, yeah, obviously. We know the topic of conversation, but we don't know anything oh. else about it. Dude, to just be a, a fly on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You just hear that conversation. Oh, I can't imagine being being one of the three disciples who are like, oh, man, yeah. we slept through this, man. Yeah. Come on. Or like all the other disciples who just weren't there at all. Yeah. So Peter, James, and John, those are the... This is the inner circle. Leaders of the Jerusalem church. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Peter, James, and John. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's just... That's great. I mean... There's so much, and especially there's that verse in John that talks about, he said and did many other things that we can't record here. Yeah. Feel yeah. Whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, forever. Right. I mean, just speculating about what all that could be, just like imagining like, oh, to have, to hear more, you know, like yeah. we have, yeah. what we do have is like super valuable and, and, and precious and we are to cherish it, but there's so much more that he said. Um, that I just I just wish we had a little bit more insight into, and I and it's it's dumb because some people will like come up with certain te- teachings and be like, uh yeah so this is actually one of those other things that Jesus said <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it was just like that's ridiculous but so like I don't want people to use that as a as a an excuse to come up with dumb teachings but certainly but like it it would just be fascinating to hear 
Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of requires us to, to trust the biblical authors. Yeah. Like, okay, they intentionally compiled these narratives, these teachings for a reason. Even though Jesus did three years worth of ministry that's not recorded. You're right. Right. There's a, there's a reason that they are including this and it's thematically placed here or in Luke's case, it's chronologically placed here. Right. But still thematically, Luke is very intentional, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Forces us to trust them. They know what they're doing. And, And the Holy Spirit as well. We have to trust. Right. Yeah. Right. So, like, with all this this mountain imagery, like, yeah, and the connection, Old Testament, New Testament. Do you think that was a connection that the biblical authors saw and intentionally included? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of parallel language with the Septuagint here, with particularly Sinai and Exodus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's pretty cool. Whatever you, whatever you read them, side by side, the Septuagint. Septuagint being the Greek Old, Old yeah, Testament. Yeah, yeah, Greek Old Testament. Okay. Hebrew Bible translated into Greek. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, and then and then this voice comes out of the divine presence, um, and this is what he says: "This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him." Um, and this is really significant as well because, okay, we're, this is my son. We've seen that already in Luke um, at the baptism. That's, that's also what the divine voice says. This is my son. Hmm. Um, and then it's, it's an allusion to uh, Psalm 2. Yeah, um, yeah. Psalm 2, verse 7, I think. Uh, Psalms. Yeah, bro. Do homage to the son. Yeah, let's kiss, be kiss the sun, let's see be angry, and you yeah. perish in the way. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, verse 7 in, in Psalm 2. I will tell of the decree. Yahweh said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Um, psalm 2 is a very messianic uh, psalm, very very much a psalm of, of Davidic kingship. Um, and God is identifying... Luke or Jesus as, <laughs> as this divine son. You are my son. Hmm. Uh, this is my son, my chosen one. Um, listen to him. And th- listen to him was actually, I-, I found this out the other day as I was studying for my uh, thesis, but uh, that's also from another another Old Testament passage, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, let's see. I would believe it. Yeah, right. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses speaking. A prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Mm. Um, so it's it's been it's been said that God saying, listen to him. He's, he's identifying Jesus with, with this one that Moses predicted. Mm, uh, a prophet. It's not to Moses. It's not to the law that we listen. It's it's to, to this Jesus. Mm. Listen to him. Um, and when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Yeah. What? Yeah. That he was just with the, the voice. The voice speaks, and then boom, Moses and Elijah are gone. 
and Jesus is there alone. Oh, oh. I, I think alone is saying like Moses and Elijah, Elijah left. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Makes um, sense. And I think the significance of 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 this aloneness where Jesus is just there, they've gone, um, is kind of what we were talking about before with Moses and Elijah being the embodiment of the Hebrew Bible. Um, could be saying that, well, Jesus is now the fulfillment of of Moses and Elijah. Huh. The law and the prophets. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Kind of, or entering into this new covenant. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I would have never caught that or never thought of that. Huh. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Yep. Well, they, they wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, it's, it's just like this this mysterious encounter of of divine activity. Yeah. Taking place on a mountain. Huh. Super cool. That's fascinating. Yeah. There's there is a lot in there. Yeah. That you don't see. Yeah. Just reading it on the surface. And it, and it's not like it's not like what we've discussed is that much out there. True. Like it's it's not far out. Like it's True. it seems very reasonable everything that we've oh yeah certainly we've made. Oh yeah. Um, which certainly there's a point where you're over exegeting a text, finding things that aren't there, but I don't think that's the case. In in, in this case, <laughs> mm. Mm. I I think all of those connections that we were talking about are intended to be made. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, just shows the the value of study. Yeah, it you does. Know? Not that you can't get out of it what God wants you to get out of it if you don't have access to higher biblical education, but I mean just the Yeah, this the is value. this work this work wasn't done by class. This was just me wanting to learn. So yeah. Listeners, you you can do this too. Like this is I'm I'm not a biblical scholar, I don't know Greek. Um, you don't know the Greek. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mysterious. <laughs> yeah, the entity known as the Greek. The Greek. Um, mm. But I'm 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 willing to stay here for a long time to understand what what the biblical authors want me to understand. Oh, boy, um, has he been here for a long time. I've yeah, yeah. I remember uh, asking Garrett at the beginning of probably fall 22. Hey, Garrett, what are you reading in the Bible? Said, I'm, I'm reading Luke. And I asked him at the, the end of the second semester, the spring semester, Garrett, what are you reading in the Bible? I was like, you know, I'm actually, I'm still in Luke. It's <laughs> like, what chapter? It's like, I haven't, I haven't even got to chapter past 10. <laughs> like, wait a second. Yeah, I'm still in chapter nine, you guys. This guy has plunged full immersion yeah. into Luke. Yeah, it's a good time. Highly recommend. Uh, Someone say he's thoroughly doused. Doused. Baptized. He's been baptized in Luke. As wow. in as in full immersion. <gasps> Shoot. Wait, what's the Greek word? Baptismo. Baptismo. I don't know. That's Spanish. <laughs> <What is> that? <laughs> I don't. 
I don't know. It's very similar to baptized. It means it means full. Basically, it means the, the English word baptism is a transliteration of a Greek word. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we may or may not touch on a little bit more on this, uh, on the concept of the new exodus, um, depending on what John wants to do next week. And the Lord's Supper, possibly. The Lord's Supper. Oh, man, stay tuned for the Lord's Supper. Oh, that will be a loaded topic. Yes, it that will. will be a fun topic. Yeah. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're listening. Make sure you have your notebook ready. Um for when you next encounter a a, a uh, Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> no, all jokes, all jokes. But no, this has been really good. Uh, most of this today was just me listening and asking questions, but I learned a lot and um, it was good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, until next time, this has been Bible Babble. Episode three. Peace. Today's theme song has been Transfiguration by Sufjan Stevens from Seven Swans. <laughs>